love coming to Robinson because I'm home. So it's, it's always easy to come home. So who are the Gideons? We're an association of Christian businessmen and professionals organized in 1899. The Gideons have been distributing Bibles over 119 years. The name Gideon was chosen after a prayer meeting based on the story of Gideon that is found in the book of Judges. Gideon was a man willing to do what, what God wanted him to do. Gideon's mission is the same as yours, to win, to win others for Christ. To do this, we give Bibles to men, women, boys, girls. We place Bibles in hospitals, dental clinics, uh, nursing homes, uh, convalescent homes, assistant living, jail, prison, colleges, university campuses, elementary, secondary schools, police, fire stations, lawyer's office, and induction centers. The Bibles that we place in hotels are similar to this one, which uh, costs uh, $5. And, and they also distribute New Testaments like this one, which costs $1.35. We usually give those out at church outreaches. The book, and I'm looking for a missy. You can get as many of these if the pastor order them for young people, for teenagers. It's based on the book of Mark. And it tells them the story of Mark and about Jesus and that they can uh, use themselves. And they have little in things in there that the kids, I think, will enjoy. Also, we have, for you guys who have smartphones, you can get a free Bible uh, downloaded on your phone uh, paid for by the Gideons if you don't already have one. We pray this year that the huge prison unit will, of Gatesville will allow us again to give Bibles to the prisoners. Prisoners, We are allowed to, uh, to stand at the exit door of their dining hall and give out Bibles to the prisoners as they are leaving. Many of them will take the Bibles. Some will not. One of our Gideons offered a, a New Testament to a prisoner, and he took it and he said, Satan love you too. Another reason to get the word out that uh, to a loss, to the loss, the shine God's word into the dark places. At this time, we're going to listen to a testimony by a man who called himself the Son of Sam. bring you an important news bulletin. New York City police have just announced the capture of the man whom they believe to be the son of Sam, 44 caliber killer. It was New York City, 1977, a city under siege. A deranged serial killer was on the loose. He used a 44 caliber bulldog revolver, a devastating weapon of destruction. He referred to himself as the Duke of Death, Wicked King Wicker. To New Yorkers and the rest of the nation, he was simply known as the Son of Sam. With bizarre, threatening letters, he taunted the city's officials. His announced goal was to bring New York City to its knees. And for one full year, he succeeded. 
final bloody carnage. Over 2,000 fires set. Six innocent young people dead. Many others seriously wounded. With his capture, the mysterious identity of the son of Sam was made known to the nation. His name, David Berkowitz. Time magazine said that few killers have seemed as psychotic as David Berkowitz. One key investigator on the case called him loony, wacko, gone. But the courts ruled that he was sane. And after pleading guilty, without a trial, David Berkowitz was condemned to six consecutive life sentences with no chance of parole. To society, the name of David Berkowitz became a symbol of depravity and evil, a useless and wasted life that was beyond any hope. But that's not the way the tale of David Berkowitz ends. There's another side to that story, one that we will now examine. Uh, I was invited to a party one day. I went to the party. This was in the Bronx. A couple of guys said, uh, hey, listen, we, in, you know, you're looking for a girl or something. You're looking for a good time. We got some uh, friends that meet in the park nearby. So I went over to the park, and uh, we went deep into the woods. This was Pelham Bay Park in the Bronx. And they had like a small fire going, and a lot of people were drinking. They were singing. Uh, they had some people were chanting. And I says, well, what is this, you know? And I began to meet some of the people. And they says, well, well, you know, we're pagans. We're witches. And we just have a good, we come out here to have a good time. But they were the ones that introduced me to uh, Satanism. We had circles. We had the pentagrams that they made right there in the woods, in the high weeds, in the swampy area. And uh, we would just call upon these different powers. They said, call upon these angels. Later on, I found out that these were really demons that we were calling upon. But I would do these rituals and, and meditate. And you, you could feel this surge of energy come upon you. These things began to change within me. We had worshipped uh, a powerful occultic deity named Sam Hain. Uh, he is one of the high-ranking demons. And he was the one we used to call upon all the time and it became somehow abbreviated to, to Sam. I really thought that I was some kind of soldier in a satanic army, and we had determined to, to bring New York City to its knees, to initiate a reign of terror, and looking back, it was, it was, it was a tragedy. Innocent lives were lost, my life was ruined, other people's lives were ruined, and we brought nothing but hurt and pain. I began to realize that the devil was not gonna get me out of this thing when uh, I was sentenced to more than 300 consecutive years in prison, which means that, theoretically, I'll be in here forever. It seems so innocent at, at the start, uh, but uh, the devil, he kind of, he didn't tell you what the end was going to be, that it was going to cost me my very life. And uh, at that time, it was too late. Prison is really a place of suffering, it's a place of hopelessness. It's a place of loneliness. You will see a lot of people who will not walk with a smile on their face. You will never see them smile. Uh, I've seen men who've committed suicide in prison. I know some personally who have taken their lives, who have hung up because they felt that they had no hope. They hung themselves in their cell. Uh, I've seen men stab and cut one another over the most petty things. I was walking the yard, the prison yard, one cold winter night by myself, just walking in circles, and uh, 
One, that, at that night, another inmate walks up to me and says, David, Jesus Christ loves you very much. I says, uh, what? He said, Jesus Christ loves you very much. He told me to tell you that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. I says, listen, God ain't interested in me. You know, I appreciate it, but uh, God is not for me. I don't believe God loved me. I'm not a good person. I've never done anything good. Why would God love me? He says, well, you don't understand. He says, God loves you. And he says, if you'd let me, I'd like to be your friend. But we became friends, and uh, after about several weeks, he gave me a, a pocket Bible like this, one of these Gideon's pocket Bibles. He said, read the Psalms. So I started to read the Psalms, and I was shocked to find some of the most beautiful words that I've ever read. I began to read these things for the first time in my life. And it says here in Psalm 18, verse 6, for example, in my distress, I called on the Lord, and I cried out to my God, and he heard my voice from his temple, and my cry came before him, even to his ears. And I says, wow, you know, God hears. One night, I was in my cell, and it was near midnight, and I was reading this, the, the Bible. I don't even remember what passage it was, what psalm, but suddenly I just felt this overwhelming urge to just open up. I just, I just felt something come upon me where I says, God, you know, I can't take this anymore. God, if you're, if you're real, if you're, if you're around, if you're out there, uh, if you want anything to do with me, I don't know. But I, I, I'm just sick of the way I live. I'm sick of the way I live my life. I'm sick of all the torment that I went through. I'm sick of all the hatred. I'm sick of having to live with knowing that I hurt innocent people, knowing that I destroyed lives. I'm sick of the devil. I'm sick of being lied to. I, I don't give a darn anymore. If you're interested in me, if you can hear me, you know, let me just, let me just start pouring my heart out to you. In the quietness, I just started crying and crying, and all this stuff was just coming at me. I said, God, I'm so sorry for living like an animal. I'm so sorry for all these things, Lord God. I don't know if I even understand what happened. Lord, it seems like I never had a moment peace, God. I never had a moment of peace or, or happiness in my life, not real happiness. And, and I just began to cry. I don't even remember exactly what I said, but when I got up off my knees, I felt that the tremendous load had been lifted from my shoulders. I know something happened, something changed. Today, God is using me here in the prison to minister to other men, to give them a message of hope, to give them a message of encouragement, to let them know that Jesus Christ wants to help them, that Jesus Christ can set them free from sin's power, that Jesus Christ can give them a life, that Jesus Christ can rebuild their broken lives, and, that, and he will put the pieces back together. If God will save someone like me, a murderer, and make me into a minister today, he'll do that for anybody. He can say, nobody is beyond the hope of God's reach outstretched hands. Nobody is beyond the hope of God's love. At one time, I was called the son of Sam. Today, God has said, you are now the son of hope. That's my new name, son of hope, because I tell everyone that there is hope in God.
Hello, my name is David Berkowitz, and I'd like to greet everybody at the Gideon's Convention in the name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I thank God for you. I thank God for the work that you're doing, getting the gospel out all over the world and even into the prisons. I, I just want to encourage you to know that correctional facilities are wide-open mission fields with men and women who are hungry for God, who are tired of their sin, and who want redemption. You folks have been instrumental in seeing that the gospel gets out, the word of God gets out, and, and that's truly a blessing. It was a little Gideon's pocket Bible that the Lord used to pierce my heart and, and bring me to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I just thank God so much for you. I just want all my brothers and sisters to know that your labor is not in vain. You are reaching the lost, and it is beautiful. So thank you so much, and, and keep up the good work, and keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. He's coming soon, and it will be worth it in the end when we meet him face to face. God bless you. No one's beyond God's help. The Gideons International is perhaps best well known for the Bibles that we place in hotels and motels around the world. We know that a Bible placed in a hotel room will reach 2,300 people's lives in a six-year period. After becoming a Gideon, I learned that so many people go to hotels to commit suicide. I have never thought of that possibility, but it is true. Others will go to hotels because they're being kicked out of their homes by their spouses. Their whole world has just been turned upside down. In both cases, both of these cases, they will go to a hotel believing that there is no hope. There are also uh, many testimony of men and women who are going to commit suicide in a hotel who found the uh, Gideon Place Bible there. They just picked a place in the Bible and just started reading. Uh, others will uh, pick the Bible up, throw it across the room, and just and start reading where it opens up. In both cases, a particular verse or verses spoke to their hearts and they accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. One testimony we received, a woman walked down to the hotel front desk carrying a Bible she had found in the room and a handgun. She gave that gun to the desk clerk and said, you can have this, I have no need for it anymore. God's word saved her, saved her life both spiritually and physically. Let's hear another testimony from uh, Leroy Kennedy. I got involved with drugs, alcohol, uh, prostitution. I was just trying to find something to fill the void that was in my life. I thought maybe if I had more things or had more drugs... Maybe that would be the solution, but it wasn't. It was a park similar to this right here, uh, occupied by homeless. And I remember that, that Saturday morning, I had got up early, took a couple of hits of acid, tooted some coke, and I went for a walk in that county park in Battle Creek, Michigan. Here I was, a reject from the military. My third wife had walked out on me. And I just felt there's nothing else left but to commit suicide. But then there were some men in the park that day. They was witnessing to the homeless. And they were giving them these little testaments. 
and one of them came up to me. He had a big smile on his face, and he said, do you know Jesus? And that young man, he took that little testament, and he opened it, and he showed me, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And I personalized that. For God so loved Leroy Kennedy that he gave his only begotten son. Then he opened it to the book of Romans, and he showed me how I can pray and ask Jesus to come into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. It was that day I prayed. I asked Jesus to forgive me. I asked him to come into my heart, clean up my life, and to make me somebody. And the Lord heard that prayer, and the Lord answered that prayer. And I want you to know I was instantly healed from my dependency of drugs. And I, the rehab centers didn't do it, but when I asked Jesus to come into my life, my life was cleaned up, and I was clear-headed of the drugs. And you know, for the first time, that void that I had been carrying around all of my life, all of a sudden it was, I felt like a new person. I, I felt whole, I felt complete. Conference Code Camp has placed 50 Bibles in a new hotel in Lampasas before, the, uh, before it was open to the public. The manager and his staff participated in the hotel uh, dedication ceremony where we prayed over the Bibles and we gave each of the staff members a Bible. They gladly accepted. We strive to get into uh, a new hotel before it is open to the public. We then visit each hotel every six months to do what we call flood the world. And it is to replace uh, Bibles that have been taken from the rooms or have been damaged in some way. Damaged Bibles, uh, we give them to the prisoners. I never thought, uh, never thought of throwing Bibles before, even when I wasn't a Christian. But people, throw the, people will throw them when they are convicted by their presence or they don't believe that, there is a, that God is real. Our next testimony will come from one who, one of our own in Bali. I want to greet you all in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I remember this as if it happened yesterday. I was a teenager. I was very, very stubborn. I had been raped twice by the time I was 13 years old. I had so much anger in me. All I did, I wanted to hurt, especially boys. They told me that when I was beating them, I used to say, I'm going to bury you six feet underground. I don't remember saying that. <coughs> my mother, who is actually my aunt, who brought me up when my parents died, felt so sorry for me. And she said, you know, there's a service at the school that is run by the Americans, the white people, I'm sorry, Pastor. You must go there. I said, I don't like those people. All they came here to do is steal our land and tell us to pray to a God that doesn't even exist. She said, just go once. 
And she kept on and kept on. I said to her one day, if I go there, will you leave me alone? And she said, yeah, yeah. So I went there. I remember when I was walking down the passage, the passage, I looked at them. I said, look at the hypocrites. And I went down. I sat down. I didn't hear a word they said. I wanted to go home. I went home. But I couldn't sleep that night. I was tossing and I was turning. And I kept on hearing this woman said, God can change you into a new creature. And everything that was old can be new. I said, me? I'm ruined. I've been raped. I'm not even a woman anymore. Me? That has been beaten. Everybody can be changed. New? That's rubbish. There's nothing like that. And I tried to sleep and I couldn't sleep. And she had given me this small Bible. And the verse was there and I knew exactly where it was. I couldn't read English. So I woke up and looked for a candle. And I looked for the Siswati Bible. And I read that verse and it said, he can change you to be a new creature. I said, oh, there is nothing like that. And I remember just before I slept, I said, okay, if you can do it, do it. I don't care. I don't believe you. And I slept. When I woke up the following morning, everything looked beautiful. The hut that I was living in, even the grass on the roof looked brand new. I'm telling you, if we had mirrors, I would have seen a sparkle on my face. And I went outside. The sky was blue. The trees were green. I said, where have I been? I have never seen this beauty before. And my life had changed. I didn't see the change. It was the people around me who saw the change. And I remember one time one of the men in my village said, whatever that has happened to you, young lady, continue with it. I didn't know what had happened to me. And I kept on going to these missionaries. And this lady, she had left everything from America to go to Swaziland to teach us about the word of God. And I would go to her and we would read this Bible together. And gradually and gradually, I knew exactly what it means to have a changed life. I knew exactly what it means to have everything changed brand new. I, it was when I came to America that, that, that I fully, fully grasped what these missionaries are doing, and it blows my mind. When I came here, I didn't know how to sleep on a bed. I, I felt like the, the bed was, was going to make me fall, a, and I would sleep like this, holding myself, and I would be so sore in the morning, and I'll fall and, and sleep on the floor. My cousin say, wake up, go back to the bed. And now when I'm thinking these people leave the bed and go and sleep on the ground, because they want to share the word of God. Before I end, I just want each and every one reach into your heart and think of these people. They are not commoners like me. These people are doctors. These people have professions. These people are rich. These people have left America, go to Switzerland to learn my language so that they can teach me about God. Please pray for them. Thank you. There are over 169,000 Gideons worldwide who depend on your prayers and financial support to purchase and distribute King James and English Standard Bibles. The Gideons are uh, distribute Bibles in 101 different languages. We currently distribute Bibles in 201 countries. Over 
of the, uh, of the Bibles that are distributed overseas are purchased through the contribution of Christians in the United States. A very important part of the Giddings International is our ladies auxiliary. They are made up of the wives of the Gideons. Our, our auxiliary are the one who place Bibles in hospitals, nursing homes, and female prisons. We're fortunate here at Robinson. We have three auxiliaries. We have Kathy Anderson, uh, Brenda Titus, and my young bride, uh, Celia Holman. So how can you help the Gideons? Please pray for the Gideons ministry and Gideons around the world. There are so many countries that we cannot get into, and we know that prayer opens doors. In many countries, the government don't allow the Gideons to establish a camp, although they have Christians in their country. Second, we need men. The Gideons is an organization of Gideon camps that are responsible for a certain area. We need godly men who would like to serve the Lord through this vital ministry. I had mentioned earlier that the Gideons are Christian businessmen and professionals. So what does that mean? Businessmen are a general term that will apply to every man who works, who is, who are involved in the workforce and earn a living or is retired. The term professional applies to men who are doctors, dentists, teachers, or soldiers who are active or retired. Giddings are looking for men who believe that God, that God is calling them to this ministry and who have, uh, who have supervised at least one person in accomplishing the mission of their organization. If you're interested in becoming a Gideon, please see me after the service. Or if you're just thinking about it, you can become what we call the Friends of Gideons. And the Friends of Gideons, where we have an opportunity, you can be uh, our prayer partners, and you can pray for us, and just help us to uh, get the word out. And we also have a, a, a New Testament here. For the, If you notice these, on this one, it has the Gideon symbol. On this one, it doesn't. But they're actually the same. And the purpose of it is because they have not decided to be Gideon. But the word of God is the same. So if you want to use one of these to, to witness, uh, you can get with Brother Norm. We'll lead him on, on, the, on the line. He can order the, the, the one without the symbol so that you can get them and you can use it to witness to other people. You can support us financially. 100% of your gift goes to purchasing Bibles. Each Gideon pays an annual dues of $60 per year, and it is through these dues the Gideon's International Fund its overhead costs. Your gift provides Bibles that we need in our area, or our area of responsibility, which is Coriel and Lampasas counties. And lastly, you can support the Gideon's ministry through the, the gift card uh, Bible program. In the church foyer, and we have one, there is a rack there with, with four compartments. In the first one there, you'll find the in-memory card. Uh, the in-memory card is used for when someone has passed away and you want to donate Bibles in their name. And we have the in-recognition card. This is used for when someone is uh, graduating for anniversary, graduating from uh, college or high school, birthdays, and other events. And we have the thinking of you, which is our all-purpose uh, card. I just threw my little bill on here. Okay. 
If you'd like to make a, a donation to the, uh, the Gideon's ministry, you can do so with cash, credit card, or personal check. Please make your checks out to Gideon's International. Following the service, I will be standing in the back to receive your gift. I have presented several ways that you can support the Gideon's International in this life-changing ministry. We know that God's word will not return uh, void. It will accomplish what he pleased, stated in Isaiah 55:11. I want to tell you how much I appreciate the opportunity to come and to share and tell you about what the Gideons are doing for the lost. Thank you. <laughs> 